0: Hey, what's up guys? Welcome back to the Daily Drives. I'm your host, Jason Cremeans. As always, you can find me all over social media. Type that uh, name into the Google search engine if you don't know how to find me, Jason, C-R-E-M-E-A-N-S. Scroll past the first thing that you just see pop up there because it's some dude in Cleveland, Ohio that got like 33 years for killing somebody. That's not me. Uh, maybe we can all send an email to Google's see if we can get that, uh, that guy to go further down the search rankings, because I should be on top. That way, it'll be all about me, me, me. Anyway, <laughs> thank you guys so much for joining me. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, those of you who are, are back from listening from the last episode, thank you for your loyalty. Those of you who are listening for the first time, I welcome you. I hope that you get uh, something out of this and that you go back and listen to the previous episodes, hey, I'm getting better at this thing, you know? Uh, I'm getting better at uh, not the uh, oohs and ahs and us, and, and I'm getting better at uh, having something to say and having kind of more of a plan without still, like, writing things down and whatever. Uh, I'm also getting better at, uh, you know, I mean, the, the podcast is growing, and that's, that's the key right there. The podcast is growing, and it's thanks to all you guys. I really appreciate your help with that and your support. Uh, I'm glad that that people are getting something out of this, man. It makes me feel good that I get a couple of emails here and there, a couple messages here and there. Um, you know, they're very few, but at least they're there and they're telling me that, hey, man, I, I like what you're doing. Keep doing it. It, it. It's helping me out. Maybe I had a problem and it's helped me out with or whatever. So, I want to expand on this a little bit, guys. I want to get you involved just a little bit. Um, and you know, you're probably thinking, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to be on your podcast. I don't want my voice over the. Uh, the internet. I don't want people knowing about whatever my question is or whatever. But So I came up with an idea. I think it's really cool. I think you guys will like it a lot. I'm going to do a uh, either weekly, uh, bi-weekly, or a monthly segment, depending on how many questions I get to this email. Um, I'm going to do a segment at least once a month that's called Hey Jay. And it's going to be where you're just going to send me an email, ask me questions, and it could be something that you're dealing with personally or professionally in your life that you want some clarification on, you want to try to figure something out, get some ideas, you know, what, how, what can I do about this, have you ever dealt with this before, um, I have a lot of knowledge, so I might be able to help you with stuff, I might be completely clueless and say, sorry, I got nothing, you know, or maybe, um, maybe you've listened to the podcast for a while, maybe there was an episode, let's say you listened to uh, the episode about communication. And you want to know more about how to be an effective communicator. Maybe you have some questions about that. I'm a freaking expert at that, man. I can tell you all about how to be a great, effective communicator. So you have questions about that, send an email. Jason, where do I send the email? Awesome question. I'm glad you asked. You can write it down. You can put it in your phone. And it goes like this. It's very, very simple. DailyDrivesPodcast at gmail.com. Now, please don't make it more complicated than it needs to be. Daily, just like daily. Not like somebody's name or some crazy other form of daily. It's just a word. Daily. Drives is plural. There's an S at the end of drives. D-R-I-V-E-S. And then podcast. I think you know how to spell that, right? Podcasters know how to spell that stuff. So daily drives podcast at com. It's really easy. Put it in your phone, save it in your contacts. When you have a question, shoot me an email. Let me know what your question is. Put Hey Jay in the subject line so I know that that's specifically what you're trying to accomplish there. You're also welcome to just send me an email with some feedback if you want to. Tell me what an asshole you think I am. Tell me how great you think I am. I don't care. It's entirely if it's you. It's your thoughts. I, I can't control your thoughts or how you feel, uh, nor would I want to. So... All I'm asking you to do, if you want to get involved, shoot me a quick message, really easy, and I can keep you completely anonymous, no one will ever know that it was you, if you'd like, I can share your story if you'd like, if it's a situation where you just want to email back and forth about your problem and you don't want me to bring it up on my podcast, fuck it, let's do that too, I'm here to help you, that's why I started the podcast, To help other people. This is the only thing I can do right now to give back to society. And I'm happy to be alive, regardless of how shitty I think my job is right now. Regardless of how shitty uh, things can be, I'm happy to be here. And I want to share that happiness with you. And I want you to be be able to, to, to deal with happiness yourself. right? To help you to get over little humps sometimes. And to help you to just live a happier, more peaceful life. That's what I'm here for. So let's talk. Guys, send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Dailydrivespodcast at gmail.com. You got it. You've written it down. You can pause, go back, record, rewind, whatever you got to do. You know how to reach me now. It's simple. So what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about why you should never, ever, ever give up. Never give up. And... I put a period after each of those words in the name of the podcast because I think that it's that important, never period, never give up, never, so we're going to talk about one of my very good friends and also a Nashville recording artist, his name is Mitch Kirkpatrick, Uh, I know Kirk is probably listening, he's a loyal listener and one of my good friends, he knows Mitch very well. And um, I know that there are a few people listening who may have gone to school with Mitch like myself uh, or may know Mitch from one of the many bands that he and or he and I have been involved in. And of course, now he's doing his own thing as a uh, national recording artist doing country music. So, um, and he's also working full time. You want to talk about some drive, this guy's got it, right? But it hasn't always been easy. So today the format's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to talk for a few minutes and you're going to enjoy a song. Uh, The song that you heard on the way uh, during the intro here was one of the first songs that Mitch ever had a hand in writing and recording. Um, And that particular song was recorded, produced, and released by the band that he and I were in together called Seventh Cycle. Some of you may remember Seventh Cycle. Some of you may not even have a clue that I was ever in a band. <laughs> oh, I hope that's not the case. I hope you all know that. But anyway, um, I, I wore you out for a decade with with posts about where I was playing and things like that. I'm sure you all are well aware that I was in the band Seventh Cycle. Anyway, Mitch was in this band with me. He was the uh, guitar player, one of two guitarists in the band and uh he wrote the lyrics to that song called won't see me uh, then collaborated with dustin grove the lead singer of seventh cycle he collaborated with him uh, on the lyrics and stuff to finish that song out and that was one of the first songs that uh, mitch basically wrote and had most of his hands in and got recorded and released on a record right so That was one of the first. That's why I played it first, because it was the start, I guess, of everything for Mitch. Uh, At least one of the starts, anyway. So, to give you a a real quick overview. Basically, uh, Mitch and I went to school together. Athens High School, we'll go Bulldogs. I think we went to a couple other schools together, too. Maybe Fed Hawk was in there somewhere. Maybe uh, I think he went to Tri-County. I didn't. He also went to Logan. I didn't. So there may be some other things in there, too. But um, I think that uh, the most important point to make here is that we've known each other for a really long time. 25-plus um, years we've been friends. And, um, man, that's, that's a long time. <laughs> So 25 plus years we've been friends and for at least 15 plus of those we played music together in one way shape or form whether that was um, he and I being in a band together or you know me filling in on guitar or bass for one of his bands or, or whatever so uh, we've been in the music business quite a bit and we've been friends for like I said for a really long time so um We started out together musically in a band called Driven. We played a few shows. We couldn't get practice days all together. Everybody has, you know, we're all young. We all had families already and and jobs and everything. It was difficult to get things together. Um, And, you know, Driven was a fun band, but it was all uh, mostly covers when I joined. They had a couple of originals that, uh, you know, Mitch had written some words for. Uh, I don't have any of those to share with you because I don't think they were ever actually recorded in a way that I could turn them into MP3s and things like that. I don't have access to that stuff. It's too old. <laughs> it's too old, too long ago, you know, 20 years ago when that stuff was happening. So um, so that was kind of the first band. It started to gain some popularity, uh, but just keeping the band together, keeping members together, keeping the songwriting flowing and things like that was just such a uh, nearly impossible task. You know, to get four or five or six guys on the same page all at the same time in a, a different area, you know, it's, it's just really tough. So that band struggled from the from the very get-go uh, with member changes and, and, you know, writing blocks and things like that. Your typical first band type of stuff, right? Gain some popularity still because Mitch is a go-getter. He He makes people know that... He's there. That he's in this band. That this is going down. He wants you there at his show. Uh, you know, what's it going to take to get you there? Do I have to come and pick you up myself? it's the kind of guy that Mitch is. You know, he wants you there uh, because he knows that the only way for people to appreciate what he's doing is for them to to be able to experience it firsthand for themselves. You know, he knows you can go around and talk about how great you are all the time, how great your band is, but until someone actually goes and witnesses that for themselves, they really don't know what you're talking about. They really don't understand the magnitude. I cannot tell you how many times I would play a show and there will be a new friend, a friend that, I, that has never seen me play before, and at the end of the set they would be like, dude, I know you said you were in a band, but I really wasn't expecting that. I can't tell you how many times I heard exactly those words come out of someone's mouth. Man, I was not expecting that. And I asked them, like, so what? What were you expecting? I don't know, but not that. So, I mean, were you expecting us to be, like, a jazz band or something? I mean, what were you really expecting? I don't know what they were expecting, but I can tell you this much. It always surprised people when they came to one of my shows for the first time. It always surprised them. And Mitch has always been a rock star when it comes to getting people, getting asses in the seats, man. I mean, like I said, he would do whatever it takes. If that means he has to drive to your house to sell you a ticket to the show and then come pick your lazy ass up and take you to the show, damn it, he'd do it. Because he knew the importance of getting himself out there, putting himself out there. So that was one of the things that made him really successful. So, so, so has, is making him really successful. So um, once again, the band disbanded. Uh, there were a couple of little projects after that that were similar, but they never really went anywhere. So uh, then Mitch joined up with 7th Cycle. And that was, uh, at the time, I believe it was Nick Canterbury uh, on the the bass guitar. It was Chris James on the drums. Chris is awesome. He's actually uh, Mitch's touring drummer now. Um, and Jeremy Die. On the other guitar, the lead guitar, if you will, Dustin Grove was, of course, the lead vocalist from the the dawn of time. Dustin Grove and Jeremy Dye put that band together. Uh, It was named Seventh Cycle. Uh, Apparently, that was from a license plate. Uh, Jeremy saw driving around Lancaster, Ohio, one day, saw this license plate that said Seventh Cycle on it, thought it'd be a cool band name. Bam, there's the band name. Um, Pretty lazy approach at that, I know. But that's the way it worked out. Um, Now, that band then went on to record the first album, which was called My Lies Within, Uh, but not until they found me. Their bass player left. I believe he was going to the military or something like that, Uh, and it might have been the other Nick, so I apologize Uh, if I'm getting the names wrong. I, I wasn't in the band yet, so it's not my fault uh so anyway that that particular basis was hitting the road they they really needed a new bass player i was in another band at the time uh, i think i was in sonic tribe or fear the fallen or not fear the fallen uh, fire for effect i was in one of those bands at the time i, I don't remember uh, it was a cover band and i was the lead guitar player and that's what i like to do is lead guitar so i loved it i continued doing that um and i wanted to be in an original project but the guys I was with didn't want to be, they wanted to do all covers, so Mitch approached me, he's like, hey man, what do you think about playing bass with my, you know, with 7th Cycle, we're gaining a lot of popularity, we're, we're getting ready to, we're talking to a management company, you know, we might get signed by this management company and then record a, an album in a studio, legit studio and everything, so he's really pumping me up about it, and I'm like, Mitch, I'm a guitar player, I don't even own a bass, you know, I don't even own a bass, uh, a bass amp, or anything, so I have no way of being able to make this happen for you. Plus, I'm already in a band, and we have plenty of shows. This guy is relentless, man. When I say never give up, that's what Mitch does. He never gives up. So, every fucking day, I mean, at least a couple times a week, this guy's calling me. Dude, just fill in for a while. Finally, I'm like, fine. All right, you beat me into submission. I'll fill in on the bass for a while. You got to help get me some gear. So we wrapped it up. You know, we found some bass gear and and a bass and everything else that we needed. I ended up buying a bass from uh, a friend of a friend that was in another band that that, uh, was no longer playing. So a little Spectre Bass. That was my first experience on bass, and it was a lot of fun. So uh, the band does actually sign to... This management company, SM Management out of Cleveland, Ohio, um, ended up being a total tool bag company. But ne- nonetheless, um, we we signed with this management company, and we're set to go into the studio and record our very first CD, right? our very first record. Um, in the meantime, we recorded some demos in Nelsonville at the, the school there. Uh, we recorded some demos with... Uh, uh, Nick Kalura at NC Sound Shop in Nelsonville. Um, Nick's an awesome, awesome dude. If you love old hippie guys, he he's just a super peaceful person. He's an awesome guy, very passive, uh, and just, just an awesome human being, and a fantastic musician. So he's got a little studio set up in his guitar shop there uh, where he sells some guitars and some other musical instruments and equipment and things um, right there in Nelsonville, just outside of Nelsonville. And we would go in there and record some demos, right? So we could send it to the producer. Uh, to, the producer would then listen to them, come up with some ideas, uh, arrangement ideas, uh, some different things that we could do. Then he would come down all the way from Cleveland, spend a week with us in our studio in Logan, good old Logan, Ohio, uh, and we would work with the songs and kind of fine-tune things right before the studio. Um, we played a, a dozen shows or so during this time, and I, at this point, I'm hooked, right? Now, I'm like, okay, we got an original band. The music's pretty cool. Uh, there's some things that are changing, some cool things that are going on. I'm really enjoying it, so I join in. I'm like, guys, let's let's do it. I want to be in the band. Let's just let's do it. Forget about filling in. I'm all in now. So to make a, a pretty long story relatively short, we recorded the first record, My Lives Within. Um, on that record, there was some collaboration between Mitch and Dustin when it comes to the lyrics, uh, and the rest of it was kind of all the musicians kind of bouncing things off of each other, uh, to make this record happen, and, um, from this record, there were some really good tunes, and I, I think I've got one coming up for you next, so I'm gonna have you listen to, uh, one more song from the album My Lies Within, which was, the intro song that you heard was from that very same record, so I'm gonna play one more from that record for you, uh, and then we'll uh, we'll go on and talk about what happened from there with Mitch's career specifically. So I'll be right back. Take a listen to this song. Tell me what you think. Okay, so that was actually "Small Town Drama," <laughs> the self-titled uh, or the uh, the title track from the second album entitled "Self." or a small town drama or STD for short. I know. I know it's funny. I know. It, it it gets funnier, but I'll talk about that later. Anyway, so uh once again, that was a big part of Mitch's life because he had some uh, you know, some a little bit of a hand in writing that song. Um as did I actually. And um that album was what made Mitch I think realize that it is actually possible this dream isn't it doesn't have to be just a dream because this record we recorded without borrowing ten thousand dollars and without which like which is what we did for the first record uh without a management company, so to speak, we had a guy that was helping us along the way um and we'll talk more about him in just a second, but uh, Kim Stevens from Capitol Records, he was kind of giving us a hand. He hooked us up with a good producer in Cleveland, a better producer than our first one. Uh, Don DiBiase from the first record was a, a great musician and a fun guy to be around. Uh, didn't do any drugs or drink. That was one of the things that he swore by. I don't do drugs, I don't drink. I drink a lot of uh, energy drinks, and I work out and things like that. But, uh, and I'm crazy, but I don't uh, get drunk, and I don't get high right so that was pretty cool but as far as the producer's concerned he absolutely sucked and when you're new in the business you don't really know how bad it is until you have a record that doesn't suck and then you're like oh okay that's the difference so the producer brian um brian fitzpatrick i think i can't remember now um was on the uh the second record and the third record from seven Cycle. Um, also the the uh, the next record that Mitch produces so um that album was uh, he actually tattooed the name of that album on his arm it meant that much to him you know that record coming out uh, and the cd release show for that which was held at the lifestyle community pavilion which is now um, express live uh, but you know downtown in Columbus Ohio we had uh, ourselves we had our good friends downplay there who is now Starset. Uh, star set Uh, They were there, they opened up for us, as well as uh, 8-Pound Pressure, who's still playing, one of my favorite bands, favorite local bands of all time. They're still playing, they're awesome guys. They were at that CD release show. Um, And I want to say that there was one other band, yes, Sever. Sever was there, it's now Sever at all. They're still playing, uh, some different members and whatnot, but they're still playing. Um... I believe back in those days Aaron Snyder my good buddy Aaron Snyder who's still a performing artist um, he was in that band at the time so very good time that night very good time Um, we were the only local band to ever rent that venue and the only local band to have ever put 1,100 people in the seats in a 2,200 seat venue it was pretty sweet Uh, it might have been more like 1,200 throughout the night uh eleven, twelve hundred people paid for tickets. There was another hundred or so on staff and, and our people or so, you know, so it ended up being a pretty full house, at least for our standards at that point in time. We would all go on to play bigger crowds, but at the time that was the biggest crowd that we had played. And by far the most memorable, the most uh the, the loudest crowd that I'd ever played for. It was it was just an amazing time. that record really meant a lot to all of us um, including Mitch and and when we rented this venue it was a lot of money I want to say it was six thousand dollars just to rent the venue by itself right and how did we pay for that selling CDs that was the only way to pay for it CDs and merch Um, my good buddy Dwayne Hanson made all of our merch uh, at that time I believe so um, thanks to him (laughs) We, we made a few extra bucks, but we were able to cover all of those costs, and we still ended up making a little bit of money like twelve or thirteen hundred bucks after it was all said and done the the payment for the CDs for the the record being recorded for everything uh the insurance and all that stuff uh, got paid, and you know it was actually probably the most successful album I've ever been a part of so um but not mitch <laughs> um, We started to recording the third album, same studio um. The same studio, and uh, it was called Jungle Studios, which is where Downplay recorded some of their stuff. Uh, Star Set, before they started recording in Nashville, recorded uh, a demo there. So a lot of good names have gone in and out of that recording studio. Lots of of fantastic bands, lots of fantastic musicians. And Mitch, one thing about Mitch is he knew that he wasn't going to be staying with 7th Cycle any longer. After that second record and we started recording the third album, uh, Mitch and Chris, the drummer, both knew that uh, their time there was limited. There was a lot of infighting in the band, um, specifically about songs and songwriting. Um, melodies were always a big problem for us. Uh, we could never get the lead singer to kind of uh, toy with the melodies a little bit more. Once he put one down, that was it. That was, that was the melody that wasn't going to change. So we had a lot of infighting going on. Um, at the time, there was a really good song that Mitch had written that he wanted to be on this, this new record that we were writing. Uh, he got a lot of kickback, uh, a lot of pushback from uh, Dustin the singer and, of course, from Jeremy, the other guitar player. They didn't want that uh, that's anything to do with that song. Uh, somebody else had collaborated with Mitch from a previous band, so they were concerned about rights and royalties and things like that, which was very premature anyway, but long story short, that was the end of Mitch and Chris in the band when we started recording the third album. They decided that it wasn't going to be for them. They wanted to go off and do their own thing. Did Mitch give up? No. He did not give up. You know, after being in this band for about five years, um, off and on, seven years, um, you know, you would think most people would say, forget it. I'm not doing this anymore. And I guess I said, fuck, get it. I'm not doing this anymore. This sucks. Um, You know, I'm throwing in the towel. Right? It's never going to happen. We're in our mid-30s. If it hasn't happened by now, it's not gonna, right? That's what most people say. I switched from bass to guitar and continued on with the band for another couple of years, I want to say. In the meantime, Mitch and Chris went off and started their own project called Fear the Fallen. And this is another project, again, uh, I want to step back for a second. When we we booked that venue uh, for our CD release show in 7th Cycle for the second album, Small Town Drama, um, March, I want to say, 25th of 2010, we had to sell a lot of tickets. We had to get a lot of people in there. Mitch and I were relentless, but Mitch by far blew everybody out of the water. He sold more tickets than anybody else, I believe. We even have, like, a contest going on. Dustin, the lead singer who had the most following, of course, because he's a lead singer, um, he sold the majority, I want to say, uh, second, and then I was probably third. Uh, the other two guys would be fourth and fifth. Um, as far as the number of tickets we sold, but Mitch was always calling people, you're getting tickets, I'm coming, I'm, I'm coming down, you're, you're buying these tickets, I need the money for them now. And he was always, always pushing, pushing, pushing to get people at the show. Uh, not just that show, but every show. Every single show, Mitch is in people's faces. Come to the show, you come to the show, you come to the show, and to the point he would almost make you feel guilty if you didn't come to the show. We're going to move out of this parking spot. So you felt like if you were Mitch's friend, you were coming to the show. <laughs> that's all there was to it um, Mitch carried that mentality and still has that mentality to this day uh, but he carried that on through his next band the next project, Fear the Fallen and he gained a lot of popularity because of that because people knew that he was you know, out there trying to, to make things happen they were all about coming to the shows you know, he made them realize how important it was for them to be there, and they understood that importance, and, and they were there. You know, so the following came very quickly. Now, I should definitely mention that Mitch has always been, and I've always told him from the dawn of time, that he's a very good songwriter. Lyrics, I mean, arrangement, he really, he's, he's got a certain talent for it. I mean, anybody can write a song, but to really make a song that people can actually relate to and feel good about um, and, and really really feel like they're part of the song. It takes a certain special thing to do that, and Mitch has that, and he's always had it. And I've always told him, dude, you should, you should go sing country and go on your own and, and write your own stuff. You know, Forget about this band stuff where everybody's got to get permission from everybody in this democracy thing. You've got you to gotta stop doing that. So when he picked up Fear the Fallen, when he, when he started that group, he decided, I'm going to be the primary decision maker. This is my band. I decide who gets to come, what, what, you know, who gets to be a part of the band, what songs we're doing, this and that, and whatever. Um, that was a good thing because, again, Mitch is a really good songwriter and also a fantastic singer with a unique voice. He doesn't sound like everybody else out there. He has a very unique voice. You either love his voice or you hate his voice. If you hate his voice, hey, it's okay. I'm not mad at you. Some people do. It, it doesn't land on your ear right, I guess. I don't know. I can't explain it. I think his voice is cool, and it's definitely different than a lot of your country singers out there. Uh, but it has that certain country charm to it because, I mean, dude, we're from the sticks. I grew up on a farm, you know. Uh, so did Mitch. You know, he had a big pond in his backyard where He could go fishing. And went mudding, and 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 we did stupid shit like drive cars way too fast, and you know, <laughs> just all kinds of crazy shit like that. I mean, we did all kinds of stupid stuff, uh, typical redneck stuff that that us that you know we we, we rednecks tend to do. Uh, though I'm not much of a redneck anymore, I grew up that way. Uh, so we did all that kind of stuff, you know. And um, Mitch, when he started Fear the Fallen like i'm not I'm not pulling this crap again where one person you know puts a damper on everything, you know it's going to be my decisions and and that's the way it's going to be, which was a good call. So he wrote all the songs as far as lyrics are concerned. uh he had a very big hand in the arrangements, so these songs were a lot uh, a lot better put together than the seven cycle stuff that we had done before they were they were definitely uh a better base of songs for sure in my opinion so still you know um Mitch is a songwriter and and the best thing that he has going for him is his ability to lyrically drag you into a song and make you feel it uh and now he's starting to do the same thing with his voice so we're going to listen to this next track uh just a, a piece of this next track this is one of the songs that Mitch wrote Um, and it uh, it got a lot of attention because people really felt the lyrics in this song they really felt him uh, you know his emotion in this song so I want you to take a listen to this song tell me what you think Um, and if you like it make sure you go download the full album he still does get uh, a little piece of that pie when you do that so uh, that's going to help him out as well but once again this is fear the fallen Uh, and I'm not sure which song it's going to be because I don't remember which order I put them in, but I'll fix that later. So um, I'll tell you what it is on the next segment. But anyway, here's a song from uh, Mitch Kirkpatrick in the band Fear the Fallen. Okay, that was Frontline by Fear the Fallen. Mitch on uh, the lead vocal on that one, and you can see that he was really working on his vocals here. Um, trying to really show what he could do in this song vocally, right? Um, And lyrically, uh, he also made some really big improvements uh, because at the time, you know, he had written dozens and dozens of songs, so deciding what to put on the album is one of the more difficult things to do, right? So Frontline was a song that everybody, once again, uh, could relate to, and it had a lot of energy and a lot of power behind it. And that's one of the things that Mitch wanted to do with that record was put a lot of energy into it because he knew that that stage show was going to be one of the things that was going to be able to set that band apart from other bands. One of the biggest complaints that, uh, that Mitch and I had in 7th Cycle was that the stage show was lackluster at best he and I tend to play off each other and bounce around all over the place and things like that, but everybody else just kind of stood there like statues. So he wanted this particular song to be one of those things that got people up out of their seats, you know, and it was, it, I mean, it really, it delivered. This song absolutely did it. Uh, So the vocals were incredible on this track and uh, the songwriting once again is pretty good. Now, um, We move on to another track. I'm going to share another one with you here real quick. Now, this track that's coming up um, from Fear the Fallen, again, Mitch wrote, and this one was something that was very personal to him. The song is called Life, and and it's about life and how life can get you down and how life can get you down, you know. And uh, so he sings a little bit about this, and, and this is where he's really, again, working more on his songwriting, his lyric writing, and and of course, arrangement of songs, so have a listen to this one, Um, I really think you're going to like this, a lot of people, it's a very popular song, so here's Life by Fear the Fallen, so that was Life by Fear the Fallen, I hope you really enjoyed that, I know uh, every song on that record uh, I personally like, there's not one that I skip past, Uh, I like them all. It's a really cool record, and the uh, the game, a song on that album, was the song that we wanted to record in Seventh Cycle, but got too much pushback, and actually ended up being, uh, you know, the the segue point, if you will, for Mitch and Chris. Um, so this was the only album that uh, that Fear the Fallen would record. Once again, band members infighting. Some people want to do this, some people want to do that. Trying to keep uh, a team of people together—it's very difficult. I mean, imagine what it's like. You know, think about this: when you were in, when you were in high school, and you had to do a group project, and you had four other people in your group. You always have those couple of people that jack off, do nothing, right? They just—they just absolutely don't contribute anything whatsoever. Um, And then you've got one person maybe who does contribute, but just kind of half-asses everything. And then there's you and one other person uh, who are doing all the work, right? Well, it's the same thing when you're trying to start a band, you know? To find four other people, three or four or five other people that have the same determination, the same drive, the same willingness to make sacrifices in order to get to the next level, it's hard to find that it really is no matter what you're doing whether it's a band or starting a business or whatever it's difficult to find those people that are like minded and that are going to want to have the same ideas uh, you know the same ideas the same end goals as you and are going to want to put in 110% just like you do it's difficult to find those people they're out there though I promise you that when you find them you hold on to them but the problem was that Mitch continued to use musicians who he had played with in the past um to be a part of his group, uh, a part of the band, and, you know, you'd have one guy who lives an hour from the closest place to practice and wouldn't be able to make it to practice sometimes, and practice is very important when you're playing out on a regular basis. you got to have a really tight show, otherwise it looks terrible, it sounds terrible, it's sloppy, and people don't want to hear you anymore. You can't do that, right? you got to have, every show's got to be tits, right? Right? So you do your best as a band to make sure that that happens, and the more you practice, the more the more solid the band gets, the tighter the band gets. You know, when everybody's hitting that sixteenth note right on the fucking beat, it sounds a lot better than when three people are hitting it on a slightly different spot. You know, if you're a musician, you know what I'm talking about, right? So the fighting and the inability to move that band forward because of the members of the band or or whatever the cases may have been. It made Mitch think about what he wanted to do for the future. He says, you know, do I want to continue trying to work in the rock industry, you know, trying to make a band, uh, you know, get to that next level? Is this really what I want to do? So... Fear the Fallen separated. Fear the Fallen split apart. Um, I, you know, while they struggled with band members, I filled in a few times um, guitar sometimes, bass sometimes uh, for different shows and things like that they had, and, and they didn't want to miss out on the opportunities, whether it was the money or, the, or just the crowd to play in front of. So, you know, I would step up, learn the stuff, and, and go do my best and perform the best to the best of my ability to try to help Mitch out. I didn't want to be a member of the band because I just didn't have the time to put into it anymore. It was no longer as high on my priority list as it was for Mitch. And I knew this. And as much as it breaks my heart to have to tell him no when he calls me and asks me to be a part of his current projects, I still have to tell him no. Not because I don't want to. I'd love to. It's just not in the cards for me right now because that's not what I want to do with my life. It was at one point. I did try for a while And um, then I realized that there's other things that I want to do a little bit more than be a musician. So, that's what I'm doing. Mitch, however, would not give up. So, he knew Fear the Fallen was going away. He said, you know, I'd really like to get into the country scene a little bit. He started a cover band. Half country, half rock. And of course... He's the singer. So he's continuing to work on his vocals, and he's getting some more exposure from a different avenue, from different venues, where he can go in and perform country sets, just alone, just country sets. So he picked out some really popular country tunes, stuff that worked great for him and what he wanted to accomplish, and put together a band. Some people he had played with before, some people he had not. I ended up in that one, too, <laughs> uh, part-time, you know, again, because he needed some help, um, and then when uh, I realized the amount of effort and energy that I had to put into it, and the amount of time that it was going to take for everything else I wanted to do, I'm like, Mitch, I can't do it, man, you got to do something else, right, and the same thing goes in that band, he he wrote a couple of originals, and he, he would play those out live, Um, And then, of course, it was all covers other than that. So he wanted to dip into that country market a little bit, and he did with the cover band. Uh, But as he tried to move more into country writing stuff, uh, he, again, got more pushback from his bandmates. People couldn't make it to practice, or people didn't want to play that song, or people thought it should be a B instead of an A. Whatever. Forget it. This band's not going to work. Did Mitch give up? Goddamn right he didn't. He kept fucking going, man. He's not giving up. He's got musicians who their their spouses or their parents are telling them that they can't continue to do this. They have to go off and get a real job, you know, because that's what when you tell your your friends when you're 38 years old and you're telling your, your friends that, yeah, I'm in a band, they're like, so when are you going to grow up? That's how they look at you when you're in your mid to late 30s and you're telling them that you're in a band. They're like, really? Seriously, dude? Um, but you don't know, I mean, what it's like to be in that scene. It it is an amazing, It is an amazing experience and a life experience that not everybody gets to experience. And one of the things that I'm very glad I was able to be a part of in my life. It taught me a lot. I mean, man, it taught me a lot. Mitch would not give up. Remember earlier, we talked about Kim Stevens. Now, if you were listening, you heard me say that Kim Stevens was a a rep for for Capitol Records. And he helped Seventh Cycle along in the beginning. And Seventh Cycle just kind of dropped the ball on all the projects. So he didn't really work with us much anymore after the, the second album was released. We didn't do much for him after that. right? So that didn't stop Mitch. Mitch kept the guy's phone number and would text him all the time. No joke. Throughout this entire process, Fear the Fallen was in regular contact with with this guy from Capitol Records, Kim Stevens. And uh, they didn't give up on, on continuing to try to make something happen with a major record label. They kept in contact with him. He got them hooked up with Jungle Studios, of course. Uh, because Mitch stayed in contact with Jungle Studios as well, which was a smart thing to do. That way, he was able to go in and get a really good rate on recording the album with Fear the Fallen, and he did just that. And um, and that album became uh, a little bit, uh, so show, it, it showed a little bit of success. So it was, uh, it worked out well for him. Now, in the meantime. Mitch is going through bands left and right, it sounds like, right? Now, keep in mind, this stuff's happening over the course of years, not days, not weeks, not months. So, you know, you think you're there, you think you're there, you think you're there, and then all of a sudden, you know, major changes happen. People leave, bands break up, whatever. This has been going on Mitch's entire career, uh, entire music career at this point. So he writes a song, a really good song. He records it on his phone, and he sends it to Kim Stevens. Kim Stevens picks up the phone and calls him and says, so you're trying to get into country now? Now keep in mind, this guy, Kim Stevens, normally just blows him off, doesn't even bother responding. It might be two, three days before Mitch gets a response from him, right? Mitch no more than hit send on his phone, and this guy's calling him. Obviously, he's got something here because this guy knows hits when he hears him, Right? There's a list of bands that this guy has signed that have millions of dollars in their bank accounts today, a list of them, all right? So when Mitch gets the call from this guy saying, hey, I really like that, that's good stuff. Did you write that? Mitch is like, hell yeah, I wrote that. So we're going to break off here real quick. I want you to hear the song that uh, kind of started things off for Mitch in the country business. So he uh he sent this song out to Kim Stevens of Capitol Records. Kim said uh or Kim called him up and said, Let's talk and uh this kinda kicked things off for him. So here's Mitch Kirkpatrick as a solo country artist. Tell me what you think. So once again, Mitch refuses to give up on his dream. So he bugs the shit out of Kim until Kim finally hears something that he likes and then he responds. And he's like, you know what? I really like that song. We need to get you in the studio. So, no shit. <clears throat> Just like that. Um Mitch is like, Alright, well, let's let's do that. So he goes and records a little demo and, you know, he sends it in to uh to Kim. So that Kim can hear some of the other stuff that he had been working on, you know that that song wasn't the only song that he had written, obviously, um, because that's one of the things that Mitch does on a regular basis is he just continues to write, which is one of the reasons that he's gonna be successful uh because he just doesn't he doesn't stop you know he keeps moving that he keeps moving that rock he te- he keeps taking that step up Mount Everest, you know it might be twenty nine thousand feet but You're not going to get a single foot if you don't walk. And that's what he keeps doing. So uh, his his ambition and his relentless attitude, his, his unwillingness to just give up awarded Mitch another chance. Mitch knew that he was a good songwriter. He knew that he had a good voice. He knew that he would have an opportunity if someone would just just listen. Just listen one time. You know? He knew it would happen for him. So all he had to do was get someone to listen. So, (laughs) he got the right guy to listen. Finally. Now, This guy says, you know what, this guy Kim Stevens with Capitol Records, he says, you know what, Mitch, I've got this song, it's a country song, that was written by so and so, and it's for sale, it's up for grabs, right, it's a really good, very party country song, and and Mitch, one of the things that Mitch said that he wanted to do with the, the country music industry is that he wanted to keep things Um, You know, in a a, a blues rock kind of feel uh, You know, just kind of a a more upbeat type of thing Um, And Mitch is is kind of a partier-ish, sort of Um, So, you know, things that that have something to do with that That's, That's kind of Mitch's style, right? And this song kind of fit right in with that style that Mitch already likes He heard the song, he listened to it, he thought it was okay and there were some ideas that he came up with that he thought would be a really good addition to the song. Uh, so he put it together, sent it back to him, and he's like, I like that. Let's go get it recorded. So what they do uh, is <laughs> Ken tells him, he's like, dude, get down here. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm going to hook you up with a couple musicians that are pretty well-known musicians, or at least are musicians for some well-known Country artists, right, and Mitch is like, "Cool, I'll come to Nashville and record. You know this is gonna be on Mitch's dime, Mitch has to pay for, it and everything. now, let me reiterate here this whole time, Mitch is working full time, and when I say full time, I mean forty hours a week is a slow week for Mitch, right he uh during the first two records with seventh cycle he worked for uh a steel uh distributor in Columbus on the west side of Columbus drove all the way from Logan all the way up there every day uh from Athens from Logan from Lancaster uh, from everywhere he's lived he drove up there all the time i mean he's talking we're talking like an hour and a half uh one way would be you know the longest trip that he'd have to make but about an hour and a half or so one way uh, it was a pretty long ass drive to go to work. So he's driving that far, he's going to work, working his nuts off, coming home, eating dinner, kicking the dog, petting the kids, you know, kissing the wife and and he's back to writing songs or something, you know, whatever it is that he needs to do to move himself into the next the next thing. He always had something to do every single day just about. I mean, I can't I can't speak 100% for him because, you know, we don't live together or anything. So <clears throat> I could tell you that he's always working on it though, you know, uh, he's always working on it, no matter if he's at work, talking to people, talking to his customers, talking to uh, his coworkers, whatever, he's always talking about, you know, the band, the music, and what's going on, right? So, Mitch takes a little time off work, goes down to, um, he doesn't work for that same company anymore, he works for a different company, and, and kind of doing similar stuff, but I mean, he works hardcore jobs, I mean, I'm talking... Uh, you know, just just stuff that requires a lot of uh, physical activity and a lot of, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, it's just a, a long day for him, no matter where he works, just the kind of work that he does. Um, so he's working his ass off, literally, <laughs> uh, at work, and then coming home and recording songs, writing songs, coming up with different things, changing arrangements, melodies, whatever. He's always working. Always. The guy never sleeps, I'm sure. So Kim says come down to Nashville, let's get this let's get a demo recorded. So with this new song called BYOP, bring your own party. He goes down to Nashville and records this song and a couple of other songs. I'm going to let you hear this song. It's a partying song again it's called BYOP, bring your own party. Um and uh it it's become pretty popular, I think. Uh, probably the most popular song that he has so far. Uh, I know that it's been on several radio stations. Uh, I know for sure that if you're in Athens County, no matter what country station you're listening to, you're probably getting it. And all up and down the East Coast, there's a lot of different radio stations that play this song and a few other of Mitch's songs. So it's getting a lot of radio play in comparison to um, any of the other songs that that we had ever worked on together or I'm not a part of this project, so let's make that clear, Uh, but uh, anything that I had ever put out, or anything that Mitch had ever put out, uh, all those things combined have not gotten as much radio play as uh, some of Mitch's country stuff, so uh, take a minute, listen to BYOP, Mitch Kirkpatrick. (laughs) BYOP! Bring your own party! So, uh, yeah, that's a fun one, right? That's kind of fun. I hope you go download that. That is Mitch Kirkpatrick. That's what he's doing today. Um, He's bringing the party, you know, bringing the party to country music. And it's because he just won't give up. You know, all the the times that he has faced, you know, band members changing, bands breaking up, getting new bands started, um, you know, being, um, you know, right there on the edge of having something amazing happen and then for it to just kind of fall flat all of a sudden, for one reason or another, and most of the time, those reasons were really beyond anything that he could control, you know, so um, he didn't let that get to him, I mean, you know, obviously it pissed him off and frustrated, and there was times that he's wanted to throw in the towel, I'm sure, he said to himself a million times, I'm just gonna stop, I'm just gonna quit, fuck this, it's too much, you know, Uh, the wife wants me to get a real job, and and, you know, that's the thing about Mitch, too, though. When you're when you're working your ass off and then you're working your ass off in your spare time, there's really not much you can say except, uh, you, yeah, you need to spend more time with the family. And at that point, you know, again, that's a sacrifice that he's been able to make. And um, his kids are awesome, though, but th- that doesn't matter. Anyway, the point is that he worked his ass off to get to where he's at today. Um I just spoke to him yesterday, and um man he he tells me that he tells me that he's you know he's in the six figure bracket finally uh now that's between working full time for a company and uh you know playing shows over the summer as a solo artist mitch Kirkpatrick, and that's huge, you know because he's making a living and then doing what he loves on the side and and just adding to that living and and he's he's working in a way to where he can get rid of the full-time job and still be making that six-figure income. So as as a musician with a family, you can't bail on your responsibilities 100% because you got a family. Yes, that's more that's more important than being a rock star, right? So You have to have that job, you have to have that income coming in, and you have to be able to find a way to make everything else work in between, and that's what Mitch has done. You know, he he goes to work, he busts his balls, you know, breaking his freaking knuckles, I mean, the the guy's been, uh, he's he's had surgeries because of things that have happened to him at work, you know? Um... He's been on FMLA before because of things that have happened to him at work. He's literally been down and out before. I mean, broke, nowhere to go. You know, I mean, just all kinds of crazy shit, but he just kept on going every single day. Mitch moved that rock, you know, one step at a time. And it has taken a couple of decades, for, for him to get to the point where he's living a life that he only dreamed of at first. And he's not there yet. He's not anywhere near where he wants to be yet. Make no mistake about it. Right now, it's 50-50. You know, you got some money coming from the job. You got some money coming from from the, the music. The idea is to make the music so popular that it creates more of an income than the job and that combined. So... This is where Mitch needs everyone else's help because you have to listen, you have to go to the shows, you have to buy the CD, you have to buy any singles that you like, you have to buy merchandise, that's how artists get paid. Also, and probably more importantly, you have to subscribe to the YouTube channel Mitch Kirkpatrick Music, it's on YouTube. You have to subscribe to the YouTube channel, watch the videos when they come out. You have to uh, like the Facebook page and the Twitter and everything else, right? You have to like the social media pages. You have to share those things. You have to interact with the band, with Mitch Kirkpatrick on social media, right? The only reason that he's not on social media six, seven times a day right now is because he's working full time. He has a bunch of shows booked and lined up this summer. I'm going to try to get him down here in Florida, uh, two or three shows, so that way we can hang out together. Uh, if I have to play bass or guitar on a show or something, I'll make it happen uh, just because I want my good buddy to be down here in the sun with me just for a week or so so we can hang out again, drink a few beers, get a little bit of that uh, Hocking Hills moonshine in us. <laughs> a little shameless plug. Hocking Hills moonshine. Yeah, Go buy some, drink it. And, um, and, you know, to help to gain him some exposure down here in the southern part of the country. So um, I, I hope that you guys listening hear this story and, and see the value in Mitch Kirkpatrick and how hard he has worked to get to where he is. And I hope that you share this story with your friends and that, that somebody else finds a little bit of motivation in this. Because the truth of the matter is... You know, in Mitch's case, he's got talent, he's able to write a song, he's able to sing, he can play guitar, so, you know, he's got a lot of stuff going for him. And that's one of the reasons that he's able to do what he's doing is because not only does he have the talent, he works on the skills on a regular basis, specifically the vocals and the songwriting, and he works his ass off. He never gives up he tries day in and day out we have played in front of the bartender and whatever other bands were there now he's playing i'm telling you guys shows thousands and thousands of people at these shows that he's playing now and his byop uh this party that he throws i guess he's going to do it once a year um is always a big event or at least it was the the one time, I think it's only been once so far, so it was a big-ass event, and a lot of people came. A lot of people enjoyed themselves. There was a lot of awesome bands there, a lot of great, great music, Uh, beer, of course, because we're down home, boys. That's what we do. We drink and and smoke and act stupid um, and ride four-wheelers and things. So with that being said, um, that LP, not LP, I'm sorry, the EP came out. It got really popular. Um, people people started picking it up and uh, started getting some radio play. There's a few songs on there that that did a really good job. Now, since that one, about one year ago, around this time, one year ago, uh, the latest song came out. It's called Modern Society, and it's basically about Mitch, how you know he's driving back and forth to work, and he's sitting in traffic, you know, but what he really wants to be doing, instead of driving back and forth from Columbus to go to work every day, and and things like that, what he really wants to be doing is hanging out, having a bonfire, drinking some moonshine with his friends, and, you know, listening to some Hank, (laughs) and stuff like that, um, so this next song that I'm going to share with you, um... He called me about a year ago, a little over a year ago, and he says, "Hey, I got this song coming out. It's really big. I think it's it's going to be a really big song. Um, lyrically, it's one of the best things I've ever written, and and I think that uh, with the right with the right push, we can make this song a really really big hit." I'm like, "Cool, man. What do what? How can I help you?" So he asked me to start taking over his social media, so I started working on that for him. Uh, but he also asked me to go ahead and put together a lyrics video. Now, as I've mentioned in the past, I am not awesome at those kinds of things, that is not my um, my kind of thing to do, I'm not an expert in those, those arenas at all, so um, I did what I could with the tools that I had, it was a terrible video, uh, but it was just lyrics, you know, so it wasn't like it had to be super extravagant or really crazy or anything, right, so I put together a really simple lyrics video, since then it's gotten like 1200 views. That's in a year. It's not very many, right? It's actually, like, a little bit even disappointing. There's just not very many views there. So uh, this next song, again, it's called Modern Society. I want you to listen to it. When you get done listening to it, if you like uh, the little clip that you hear, do me a favor. Go to that YouTube channel, Mitch Kirkpatrick. It's either Mitch Kirkpatrick or Mitch Kirkpatrick Music. Um but go to Mitch Kirkpatrick on YouTube and listen to or watch that lyric video, Modern Society. Do me a favor, give it a little thumbs up, or at least just listen. Um, and if you like the music that you hear, if you're a country fan, then you definitely like it because it's some good stuff. And there's some really big name artists that are recording with Mitch on this uh, on these songs. So I'm not going to tell you who. Um, But I can tell you that uh, a guy that you probably know, his name is Jason Aldean. Well, he knows this studio pretty well. I'm just going to put it to you like that. And um, I know that he knows the musicians that Mitch uses in the studio. He knows them quite well, too. And that's as far as I'm going to take it there, because I don't know how much I'm allowed to say about that. But anyway, so... (laughs) um, I want you to hear the difference with this song. Uh, I want you to hear the difference between the first song that I played for you, the introductory song that uh, you hear when right before I start talking and telling you that it's the Daily Drives. I played the very first song from uh, Seventh Cycle that uh, Mitch recorded. I want you to hear the difference between the production there and the arrangement there. And what Mitch has going on now. And you can tell the difference in professionalism between these things. So really take a good listen to this. And do me a favor. If you like it. Go buy it. Please. And. If you go buy it. And you're not following Mitch. On all of his social media. And you're not subscribed. To Mitch. Uh, to his YouTube channel, then I'm going to have to ask why not. <laughs> if you like it well enough to buy it, why aren't you, uh, why aren't you participating? So participate, please. Uh, in the meantime, go buy this uh, the, as many of the singles as you like from Mitch Kirkpatrick. Um, we're going to listen to one last song from Mitch, and uh, then I'm going to come back in. We're going to wrap this segment up, or this episode up. Uh, so once again, here it is from Mitch Kirkpatrick, Nashville recording artist from Athens County, Ohio. And his band, or his song, Modern Society. Alright, that was Modern Society from Mitch Kirkpatrick. Man, I really hope you guys like that. Uh, I think you can definitely, definitely tell the maturity uh, in in not just uh, the songwriting, but in Mitch's voice uh in the production, the arrangements, the recording, you can really you can really hear uh, how much better Mitch has gotten over time. And once again, it's because every single day he works toward that goal. It's not it's not something that he calls a pipe dream. It's not something that he is it's not something that he is just trying to do to have some fun, you know? this is Mitch's dream this is what he's always wanted to do this is what he is going to do for the rest of his life how do I know this because Mitch does something that all too many people do or all too many people won't do and that is that Mitch never gives up he keeps going I don't give a shit what things come your way what what obstacles slap you in the face. I don't care how many times you have to tear it down and rebuild it. Mitch has had to do it a half a dozen times, if not more. Those are just the ones that I've mentioned to you. And I can't even begin to tell you all the the personal struggles he's had, the financial struggles he's had. I mean, all this stuff, (laughs) all these things that that are stacked up against him and he still continues to go for it man so that's what i want you to do use mitch as an example you know like i said he's not a super famous national like uh, you know international artist at this point but he's going to be that's the point he's going to be why because he won't stop he won't give up he doesn't give a fuck What anybody else says, how anybody else feels about it, what anybody else thinks, he has his eye on the prize. And every time he gets knocked down, he gets up, dusts himself off, and he keeps fucking going. He won't stop. That's what you have to do. That is what it takes to be successful. No matter what it is you want to do, whether you want to be a a Nashville recording artist, or you wanna be uh you know, you wanna be a, a national recording artist like like Downplay? Like like you wanna be the next Metallica? It doesn't matter. You wanna to move to Florida because you're tired of the cold weather in Ohio? You can do it. Set your set your sights on the prize. And don't give up. Do not give up. Because when you do give up, then you're going to have to find something else to believe in, right? Something else to do with your life. I wanted to be a songwriter, but it turns out I suck at writing songs. I'm going to give up. I quit. All right, well, now what are you going to do? Well, now I want to be a personal fitness trainer. Well, guess what? You got a new goal, and I don't give up, Right? It's okay to want to give up, man. I can't tell you how many times myself, I mean, Mitch, Mitch probably wanted to give up 5,000 times in the last 20 years. And I don't mind telling you now, you know, that uh, Mitch is no longer a spring chicken. We're not in our 20s anymore, you know. Uh, I just turned 39, and Mitch is older than me, so I'm not going to tell you how much older. (laughs) I'm just going to tell you that we've been buddies you know, for, for almost 30 years, and um, <laughs> he sang, uh, he performed one of his songs at my wedding, uh, The Man You Deserve, um, it was awesome to have him there, and his family has always been some of his biggest fans, and, you know, he's got a lot of great things going on for him right now, he's having a hard time because he's working his ass off, you know, but but he told me himself, I and mean, it's like, I love it. I love what I do. I love it. So, imagine had he given up 10 years ago. You know, I can t- I can guarantee you you would never have seen, you'd have never have heard those songs from Fear the Fallen had Mitch given up 10 years ago, and I know for sure that you wouldn't have heard any of those songs, those original songs by him. You know. So, he could have given up just like anybody else, but he decided not to. And he's got plenty of people telling him he should plenty of reasons to do so, he just won't do it. So when it comes to setting your eye on the prize, I'm going to say Mitch knows what the fuck he's doing. So everybody, do me a favor. Go listen to Mitch Kirkpatrick, K-I-R-K-P-A-T-R-I-C-K, just like it sounds. Yes, he's Irish. Yes, he has a temper. And yes, he will fucking hit you with his left hand and make you think it was two rights. Just letting you know. <laughs> that's my dude. That's my boy, Mitch. So go listen to Mitch Kirkpatrick. Please pick up some music from him. Go to a show. That's where you're going to have the most fun. Mitch is fun to watch on stage. Um, that's one of the things that sets him apart from other, from other artists, that is, is that he, is really, he does have a really good stage show. And he, he gets you involved. He makes you want to be a part of what he's doing. Um, so never give up on your goals, guys, never give up, keep moving that fucking chain, keep going one day after the other, one step after the other, and one of these days, you're going to get there, and when you get there, you're going to be glad that you heard this story and you decided to never give up. Until I talk to you guys next time, please take care of yourselves, all right, and don't be a dick. See ya.